Hi, I'm Liam from Papyrus. Uh, for this month's podcast, we're sharing an interview with Johnny Benjamin, uh, an award-winning mental health campaigner, film producer, public speaker, writer, poet, vlogger, and MBE. Uh, Johnny is the subject of the Channel 4 documentary, Stranger on the Bridge. Uh, he's written a book of the same name, and he has such an incredible story to tell and does so much to raise awareness of mental health and suicide prevention. We sat down with Johnny in February uh, and we chatted to him about his charity Beyond Shame, Beyond Stigma, uh, about his forthcoming book, which is due in 2021, and about his love of music and playlists. We really think you'll love this episode of Hubcast. Helping young people, um, and I always hear the same thing from them: like we've lost our funding, or um, we can't get funding anymore. Um, and it's just so sad and frustrating um, when you know that there's a good service out there helping young people, and it it just gets shut. And you know, these young people have nowhere to go. And yeah, and I, I, yeah, just I just saw it time and time again. You know, these amazing small community grassroots stuff and um, I was just like oh that's something that's got to be done so I guess that's why we set up Beyond Shame Beyond Stigma to you know give grants to these smaller uh, like organisations and projects that are doing great work with young people um, yeah and it's, it's I mean uh, setting up a charity um, <laughs> is really hard like I'm not gonna kind of sugarcoat it it's been um, it's not been it's been a challenge it's been a challenge uh, I, maybe I was naive in setting up a, a charity and thought it would be a piece of cake. It's not. Um, obviously, well, you know yourself about, you know, like fundraising. It's, it's, it can be tough. It can be tough. But also, though, it can be, obviously, you know, really rewarding and um, you get to meet so many amazing people. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, essentially the charity is, is all about, yeah, grant giving um, to, to smaller kind of organisations and initiatives, which, I mean, you must find there's so many now. So many, isn't there, out there? Yeah. Um, and they all do such great work. Most of them do such great work. Such great work. Um, and it's hard because you want to help them all, support everyone. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm lucky I've got, I've got kind of good support um, around me, which, again, really helps. You, again, you can't do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. Um, you need that, yeah, support and team around you. I definitely have, have realised that. Um but yeah, essentially, uh, really focusing on prevention, you know, in schools, early intervention, because um, that's where that's where it needs to start. Absolutely. I think it's the, what what we found as as an organisation, it's you know helping these projects get off the ground and helping these organisations with what they need to do is one side of it. But from an employee or a community or or a people perspective, knowing that 
their school, their, their company, their you know, local group is looking after their mental health and yeah. you know, keeping an eye out for, for anybody who's struggling with thoughts of suicide. That is hugely reassuring, yeah, even, if, even if they're not. I mean, it must be fantastic to come work for a company where you know, if you're ever struggling, you can go to your kind of you know, superiors, your team leaders, whatever. Absolutely. And if, if, if you're helping them do that, then that is incredible. So it's a fantastic, a fantastic course, really. I mean, you've kind of you've kind of touched on it already. So it needs to start early doors. But what, why do you think it's so important to kind of teach it at such a an early age? Aside from the obvious that, that more and more young people are struggling with yeah. mental health. I mean, I guess kind of from a personal mm. perspective, you know, I my mental health issues started really young, and I just know that if someone would have come into my school. I mean, you know, loads of people came into my school, like loads of kind of external people, and they gave talks on, um, oh, you can do this career, and you can be that person, and um, I just wish someone would have come in and, like, showed some vulnerability, you know, um, and said, you know, it's okay to struggle. Even at school, or even at uni, like, I was talking to someone about this recently. When I started, I went to uni in Manchester, um, from London and I, I ran, sort of ran away to Manchester thinking it would be a fresh start like I could leave all my stuff in my head behind it was going to be a fresh start it was, it was all going to change and obviously it didn't change everything came with me in my head but again even at uni like just like in, in Freshers Week we had people talk to us about like um, security in our halls of residence or like um, yeah pers- just like personal safety and Again, I just wish someone would have come in and spoken to us about like well-being and mental health. So, um, yeah, I guess from a kind of really personal uh, point of view, I just if I'd have got something, just something at school, I really think it might have made a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, I think yeah, personally, you know, it needs to start in primary schools, um, and I'm doing more work in primary schools, which is cool. Um, because, uh, you know, it's tough, particularly that transition between primary and secondary. Big jump, is it? Yeah. yeah. And we know all the transitions, like secondary to college, you know, to university, and all these transitions, you know, I just think we don't prepare young people enough for them. We just expect them to, like, I don't know, it's just, yeah, just sail through. And not everyone can do that. So, yeah, I mean, I'd really love to do more in primary schools. Um, and just get it, you know again it's like um, you know thinking thinking of like PE or sport like you know you start that from an early age you know getting young people active and thinking about their bodies and um, you know making sure that they know that exercise is really important for them um, so we I feel like we address young people's physical health and if you think of like all the stuff that's been about like obesity or you know um, diabetes healthy eating for young people Again, it's just, it just, where's that for, in terms of mental health, you know? Um, so, yeah, I just, yeah. But uh, the trouble is, I guess, that kind of going back to what we were saying before is, is life funding and, you know, um, some schools can, can barely afford to, like, fix broken windows. How they're going to be able to afford people to come in and do, you know, training or, or, or workshops with them. So... Yeah, there's a lot that needs to change, I think. Yeah. But I think that's where sort of organisations like yourself and, you know, what Byron's doing yeah. on a day-to-day, that's, that's what we, we want to do. We've kind of got a 
smash that stigma around it and make people realise that it's as important as you know, teaching kids to eat healthily and, yeah. and exercise. Um, I, th- I think it's fantastic work that you're doing and I personally I, I quite agree that at an early age you know, it should just be something that people learn about. Exactly. Exactly. Something like that, really. exactly. So I, I think it's fantastic. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. Um, I mean, you've, you've touched on your own personal story a couple of times yeah. already and I know quite a lot of people know about it through you know, the, the books that you've written and you know, the TV stuff that you've done. Not everybody will. Do you mind kind of just explaining a little bit more about what's happened over the last, I think it's 12 years or so? Yeah, yeah. so... Um, so... Yeah, I was diagnosed with um, schizoaffective disorder when I was 20. So I'm 33 now. So yeah, a while ago. But when I got that diagnosis, um, yeah, it was just horrendous. Um, I was really unwell, you know, being psychotic. Um, I was in a, went to a psychiatric hospital, had to drop out of uni, um, and got this diagnosis and really thought that was it. It was, yeah, I just um, gave up very quickly. Hospital is really tough. Mm. Um, I, I was in there for for a month before. Uh, I just I, I just kind of couldn't handle it anymore. Um, and so yeah, one night I just uh, I, I kind of like like something in my head like snapped, and uh, I I made a plan. It was like, I'm going to run, run away from the hospital the next morning. Um, yeah, I planned it all out and we go to the bridge. Um, and yeah, that was that was it. And um, uh, yeah, I remember there was like, um, I got like, I don't know, there was just some like peace of mind and some relief that there was a way to end like, all the pain and suffering. And so I did, so I ran away from the hospital the next morning. Um, I said I needed a cigarette. They let me out and I ran away as fast as I could. And, yeah, so I ended up on the edge of a bridge. And yeah, um, you know, fortunately for me, uh, there was a stranger that walked past and stopped to talk to me. Um, and we just had this uh, just incredible sort of conversation. He was just so... Um, it sounds a bit maybe stupid, but he was just really human with me. Mm. I hadn't... I'd been in the hospital for a month and... Um, yeah, uh, just that human connection. I just hadn't had that for like a month where, you know, everything was like, everything was done behind a clipboard and, I don't know, everything was always like, you know, on a scale of like one to ten this and tell me how you feel about this one to ten. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I was constantly being sent back to like this, like all the suicide ward, um, which is just horrible, where someone sits and watches you 24-7, um, you know, they don't, they don't often talk, they're just sitting there observe you, and you know, for someone that's like really paranoid, like, that's just, it's the worst. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, just, you know, I don't know, there was, just for this guy to just be so, um, like, invested in the way that he, like, listened, I think that was, that was, um, well, that was really, really important. Um, I hadn't been listened to and he was just so kind of very just open and kind and just, I don't know, uh, it, yeah, it broke the kind of bubble I was in, you know. Um, 
And yeah, we just we had this chat, and uh, he. Uh, well, there was two things he said. The first thing he said that really got through. He said, um, "Don't be embarrassed," um, which I, I'd never heard from anyone before. I think that was really key for me to hear because I was uh, so embarrassed about my diagnosis that I got, and you know all the stuff that was in my head, and I was struggling with my sexuality as well. Which is really tough coming from a Jewish community. Just and that, yeah, actually, that was kind of one of the main reasons I just wanted to end it because I just couldn't deal with my sexuality. But just for this guy to just be so like open and just be like, don't you know, don't be embarrassed. Um, yeah, that was really powerful to hear. I think, but the the kind of key thing that he said um, that got through to me, he was just really positive like he was like you'll be alright you know you'll get better and in the hospital where I was <laughs> that message of hope just was not there um, I just yeah it was just so bleak and negative and my psychiatrist was very like well we don't know what's going to happen to you Johnny um, but this guy was just so yeah he was just so positive and you know Again, hearing someone say, you'll be all right, you know, you'll get, you'll get there. Um, it just, it just, it changed something in me, I think. And, uh, yeah, eventually he convinced me to step down off the edge and we were going to go for a coffee, but um, someone had called the police and, and the police quickly kind of charged in when I got to the pavement and I was taken away and I was sectioned um, and then I was then returned to the hospital that I ran away from um, but uh, I remember I felt different you know on the way back to this hospital because of what this stranger had said I mean like there was still the same really really difficult stuff like going on in my head but I don't know I felt um, hope yeah and talking to this guy you know yeah. Um, which which yeah I, I, I needed so 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 badly um, and that, I guess, was the start of like a long kind of journey to, well, um, I, recovery is quite, uh, I don't know, like, I'll never, like, I accept now I'll never be like fully recovered, you know, I have relapses, but long, I guess it was a long journey to start to learn how to manage my mental health, but yeah, it took a long time because long time to really really open up about it and to really just deal with it just didn't want to deal with it but like most of my early 20s just did not want to acknowledge it take notification see anyone about it um so yeah it was in my mid-20s that finally 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 started talking um that was the yeah that, that was the biggest turning point for me was finally talking fantastic I mean I've heard your story Loads of times, and I've, I've seen the, the, the documentary that you did, and it's still incredibly powerful to hear it from, from yourself. So, thank you for, for sharing that, sure, that thank you. and opening up, and, you. and obviously, um, we went on to find Neil and, and do some amazing work with him over the last Went through what sounded like a really, really, really hard time. 
time, really scary time as well when you sort of initial diagnosis. What would you say to a young person who's in a similar situation to yourself as a diagnosed with schizoaffective disorder or a young person who's struggling with mental health and a sort of suicide? What would you say to that person? Um, well, I mean, I guess firstly, kind of what this, this, the strange one mm. Bridge said to me, you know, about not, not being embarrassed, though. I mean, I really thought, like, growing up, I thought I was the only person with these things in my head, and um, I just thought, I mean, there was a point when um, when I was at university, and I really thought I was, like, crazy and in, insane, I thought. You know, uh, I was like, and yeah, scared about what was going to happen. And when I finally started talking in, in my mid-twenties and realising that I definitely wasn't alone, like, what actually, what really helped me was going to, like, support groups, I think, particularly around, like, schizophrenia, schizoaffective mm-hmm. disorder, and listening to other people share their, like, symptoms, experiences, and realising that, oh my gosh, like, wow, I'm definitely not alone. Um, so I think, yeah, that's the first thing to realises that you are 100% not alone with you know what, what goes on in your head I mean, obviously every experience is kind of slightly different but very personal but you know you're not weird and you're not I think that's really key for someone to know for a young person to know that you're not weird you're not crazy and you know um, I've been working with a therapist the last few years and you know he's taught me a lot about the brain actually and again I wish I'd have known this stuff growing up about it's very much like the, just just the way that the, the the brain works. That you know we um, they found now that there's a like a, a nerve um, in the brain, and and if the nerve is shorter than like the average sort of brain, then you're likely to hear voices. Um, yeah, it's really interesting, and again, it's it's it's, it's science. It's you know, and I think as well like for young people to know that. Um, it changes, it gets better. And again, because the brain is, um, I think again, growing up, I just thought the brain, well, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the brain or my mind, but I think I always thought my mind was like stuck and concrete. I mean, whereas now, because of like things like therapy and support groups and, you know, learning about like mindfulness, I realized that my brain is definitely not stuck. And, you know, you can just like you go to the gym to like, you know, build muscle in, in your body, you know, by training, um, you can do the same with your, your, your mind, you know, you can find ways and techniques to, to learn how to, you know, manage your, your, your mental health and to build up kind of um, strength and, and like resilience, just like at the gym. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think knowing that, that, you know, you're not weird and, and it does, it can, it can, it can get better, but also about and I know it's a cliche, but like talking, I know it's a cliche, and everyone hears it, you know, oh, just talk, just talk, just talk. Um, I know it's a cliche, but yeah, it does, yeah, it does make such a massive difference to really mm. be able to, to talk and to open up. My, my way at the beginning was, um, was writing, you know, I couldn't talk. It's just too uh, overwhelmed, and I just never, I didn't, I didn't have the, confidence or the words or I just so actually uh, when I was in hospital the first time they encouraged me to write and to I don't know I ended up writing poetry and I never thought I could write poetry but I did um, so and I guess 
the the writing maybe then eventually helped me to finally start talking. So, um, you know, if talking doesn't come naturally to you, if, the, if you can't find the words or the, the confidence to talk straight away, that that's fine. And, you know, there are other ways to communicate. You know, again, art is so powerful. Music. Um, yeah, so again, just, just finding other ways to really have an outlet, I think, is so important. Um, and it still is important for me today. You know, sometimes I... I still find it really difficult to, to talk, um, even though I've gone through many different like, relapses and talking therapies, it still can be, you know, really hard to, to talk and open up. So, yeah, having those other outlets that when you need it, I think is really, really important. I think so. I completely agree again. And, and I think what's really interesting is that you've kind of, you've almost kind of done it in stages. You've very much gone on, on almost like a new journey, which yeah. is to, to kind of find out what works for you in, keeping yourself well really sort of writing and then going on to talking and looking at other avenues like music and you know, art for example really really going to be useful for, for many people and like, everybody's different aren't they yeah exactly and I think <clears throat> again that's another thing for me like no one no one tells you that about yeah. like going on your own journey and so you know you know when I was first diagnosed um, it's very much about my you know my psychiatrist um was very focused on medication and, and actually very little else. Um, and I had to do my own sort of journey. Um, yeah, and I, I just, again, I wish like, um, I wish I would have, uh, I don't know, um, earlier on I would have uh, maybe gone on that journey of, of self-exploration and discovery. But I was so kind of... Um, like when, when I got that diagnosis and the things that my psychiatrist would say to me whenever I saw him I was very much like I mean, I'm, 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 I've got this diagnosis and this is all of me and um, yeah there's, there's it's, I'm stuck and it's I'm just going to have to live this way and so, something actually that someone said to me that was really helpful someone said to me um, um, I think I was in a support group and I was Saying like I, I'm I'm schizoaffective or I'm schizophrenic. I think I said I'm schizoaffective, and someone said to me like, "Why do you say that?" Because um, they said, you know, you would never say like I'm cancerous or I'm heart disease or do you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, you know, you you are more than your mental illness, your diagnosis, and you know, change it. Say I have I have this. I have schizoaffective, but so much more to me, you know. Um, I think, yeah, I was just so consumed with that illness and that diagnosis, and um, yeah, it kind of took over my life for for, for a long time, um, and in a, in a sort of negative negative way, I found difficult to to get out of, you know. Um, but yeah, finally, I did get out of that kind of. Uh, that that thing of being consumed by my illness, I got out of it by by I guess talking and, and writing and support groups and yeah. stuff. Finding what works for you personally, absolutely, is going to be different for everybody else. But yeah. I think for someone potentially who maybe doesn't know where to turn it, I think that advice is is key. Really, is that it is different for everybody. You know, there's going to be stuff that works for you that doesn't work for everybody else. So, you can find your own way to kind of 
Okay, really. And don't feel pressured to do one no, thing that doesn't work for you, which is which is great, really. I think I think as well, uh, yeah, something I've learned is is sort of, it's hard with like being patient mm-hmm. as well, which is tough because you just want you know you just like so so I've been on like various medications uh, over the years and yeah, it's really frustrating. Kind of you know you try one and you think. Oh, please work, and you obviously have to wait until education like starts to really, you know, sink into your body. You have to wait and wait, and then you find that this isn't working, and it's kind of really soul destroying, you know. Um, and then you have to go to try another medication and go through like, and that's and that's hard. But you know, um, finally now I think I found, you know, I found medication and I found therapy that seems to kind of work for me and yeah it was worth going well yeah it was worth going through all those kind of different medications and different types of therapy to finally get to you know find something that works for me it it is it is it is frustrating but again you're not alone so many people go through you know try various different things until they find something that actually works but I guess it's about yeah being 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 like persistent with it, but like being being patient and being like gentle on yourself, you know, going through that. Yeah, look after yourself while you're going through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I want to talk about some of the stuff that's happening for you in the future, um, sort of the immediate future. Really, you've got a new book coming out, which is the Book of Hope, um, which sounds fantastic. Um, what's it about? So yeah, so so working on this this new book, the, mm. the, the book of hope. Um, I again, like through through the work I've done in the last few years, you know, I've met lots of people, and not just individuals themselves, but I've met lots of actually lots of parents who say, you know, well, my 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 child has kind of given up hope, like just locked themselves away. Um, yeah, or individuals themselves will say it's heartbreaking when like. I met like young people say, "Well, never going to get better. This is it." Um, and so, yeah. So, so this book is kind of hopefully designed to show people that you know you can overcome. Because that's you know that's what I needed. I think to hear was that uh, that there is hope that you know you can overcome. You can learn ways to to manage your 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 mental health. Um, and these are all different people from all different walks of life showing their experiences of yeah how they've overcome various different things from like OCD to personality disorder and um, bipolar and not not to say that everyone's like yeah like cured but it's about yeah how they've overcome particularly that like what we were just saying about that diagnosis period that really difficult tough diagnosis period and realising that you know something going on here how, how people have over and people have again like just say about you know people have used different ways from from cooking to, to you know nature um, yeah exercise um, I'm not doing it like justice because people talk about it so well in their own words but you know just I guess yeah various ways that people have found um, uh, to, to manage their, their, their mental health and to find, so again I guess it comes back to hope yeah trying to find that yeah, that hope, that light at the end of the, the tunnel. Mm. Um, I think we need it, like, especially in society now. You know, it, I think it's been, it feels, well, feels to me like things have been pretty bleak in, like, 
society for, for, for a while now with like different news events and I think we all could do some more like hope and, and we don't hear enough stories of hope and of good stuff yeah we don't we really don't if you I I, I've stopped reading the newspapers like I just yeah it's it's just so um, it's just so bleak mm. often and it just brings me down so um yeah, hopefully this, this book is made up of different people's stories of yeah overcoming adversity, and I hope that will give hope to other people. Yeah, it's a collection, isn't it? There's, there's the other line. It's going to be illustrations and photos, yeah. and quotes, and, and good stories for you know, good feeling, really, which people which people need. And I think that's what that's what I'm excited about. I, I completely agree again that there's there's not enough good stuff being out there. Uh, so if the going sort of back to my you know my time to have something that could have appealed to me and, and a number of people around me when they were struggling with different bits and pieces would have been fantastic you know mm-hmm. to go well this quote really stuck out to me but this illustration might stand out to you because you're more visual than, than I thought sure, exactly. I think that's really exciting and I think there is there needs to be more stuff like that out there really so yeah 2021 be a, be a good year for it really. I hope so <laughs> I hope so it's, uh, it's always quite well it is it's really like um, obviously yeah it's really obviously mm-hmm. nerve-wracking like putting anything out there in the world um, you know I always get very when I did my first book I mean the lead up to it um, was yeah really pretty nerve wracking because mm-hmm. you know it's going to be out there in the world and obviously people are going to judge it and will they like it and, you know um, so it's always quite uh, it's good but it's always, always also quite like ah nerve wracking right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's good it's good no that is it's, it's it, yeah, it's really good to hear someone be so honest about it, really. So, look, we're really excited, but I'm also you know, quite scared about it, but yeah. I'm still going to go for it, really. I suppose that sort of leads me on to my next question, really, like, you know, with your story and, and the, the work you do today, sort of campaigning and the work with the charity and stuff. I mean, how, how, do, you, how do you look after yourself in, in, in your downtime, really? Because, you know, mental health is, is your world. It's, it's, what, it's what you do day to day. How do you keep yourself well and positive? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if I'm completely frank, it's something I'm still learning. Mm. Uh, it's it's so it's so difficult because obviously you know you're so passionate about about it. And, yeah, you know you want to make a difference, um, and so uh, for me, in the last sort of two three years, like I've literally just haven't stopped, and you know, made myself unwell because I haven't stopped because I've just been like. Um, you know, maybe instead of doing the thing like going for the run that helps yeah. well my body and mind, I'll I've got to do this these, this email. I've got to reply to this person, um, and so yeah, I've been neglecting like my sort of self care uh, for a while. So uh, I think the last relapse I had last year, I was just like, I can't. Like I've had three, I think three three relapses and hospitalizations in the last three years and I'm just after my last relapse I was like oh, I can't I can't keep doing this like I need to take better care of my get a better balance mm. take better care of my mental health and that's hard it's hard and it's, it's you know it's for me like setting boundaries and like if, if I could I'd work 24-7 you know mental health um, especially when because especially when you hear about so many people struggling you know you just it's, it's heartbreaking sometimes. You just want to make a difference and do the best you can and help everyone. But um, obviously, you can't help everyone if you don't feel 
obviously. Someone told me, you know, a really good analogy about, um, you know, like when you're on an aeroplane and you do the safety briefing mm. and they say that, you know, the oxygen masks drop down and they say, you know, fit yours before you fit anyone else's, like even kids. And uh, that always used to kind of jar with me because I'd be like, surely you should fit the kids first. Like, you know, they're the priority. Um, but someone said, you know, it's, you've got you've got to look after yourself first, you know, before anything. Um, and yeah, that's been a kind of yeah challenging lesson to learn. But now I am trying to be more um, kind of balanced in my in my in my way of living. So you know, um, actually going for that run when I need it mm. instead of you know, doing maybe the work that I need to do, actually go for a run when I need it or actually, um, again, like at night, instead of plowing on through loads of like emails and stuff, listen to my mind, my body if it's like, I need to, I can't do it when I need to sleep. Instead of plowing on, actually get the rest that I need. So I guess setting boundaries and trying to be more balanced is, is my way of trying to look after my mental health. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy. And I speak to a lot of, like, sort of um, mental health campaigners and advocates that, yeah, also feel the same, that, you know, it's just so much, you know, out there that they want to do and sometimes their own mental health gets neglected, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, it's about finding a, finding a balance. Yeah. But it's definitely taken time. And it's still, yeah, I'm still learning. Um, I think I actually find... Um, you know, a lot of people around me are very like, uh, you know, Johnny, maybe you need to just take a break. And for the last few years, I've always been like, no, like, don't need your advice. Thanks. Um, even like, seeking my parents. My parents are very much like, you know, obviously they, they've been with me on this whole journey and they're very much like, take a break, take a break. And I'm, I've always been like, no, thanks. You know, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> don't need your advice. But now I'm... <laughs> Uh, I am starting to take people's advice and actually try to have more balance. Just good. You know, we talked to mental health campaigners and you know, people working in pursuit of mental health quite a lot, obviously, and and every one of them are dedicated. They're really. Yeah. To, to kind of promote that because there is so much you can do and there is sure. so much out there unfortunately sure. and, and I think because of people like yourself and, and other campaigners we, we've seen a lot of people start to break down that stigma and yeah. start to boo around mental health yeah we've seen a lot of people start to talk more and more about it I mean do you think it's just down to mental health campaigners like yourself or I mean what do you think it is why do you think people are talking more about mental health suicide prevention Oh, I think it's, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, obviously campaigners, activists, um, people in the spotlight, you know, that it does make a difference when yeah. people, like sports stars or, you know, musicians or actors do open up. It does make a difference. Yeah. Um, I think young people, you know, I feel like young people kind of leading the way. Uh, it's amazing when I go into schools and I went, I went back to my old school uh, and... I mean, so I went to I went to actually a Jewish secondary school in North London, and it was very um, no one talked about mental health when I was at school, or like the sexuality. I just wasn't 
there just wasn't a, a thing. We just didn't talk about it. And I went back to my old school and, you know, spoke to, gave a talk to like pupils, teachers, and it was amazing. Like seeing young people like 13, 14, 15, being just really open and putting their hands up and being like, well, I've gone through a period of depression or yeah, I'm, I've got anxiety uh, or, or talking very openly about sexuality. Like, yeah, I'm bisexual. And I feel really like that's a real positive, I think, for the future is that young mm-hmm. people are so, and I'm, I know I'm generalizing because it's not the same for all, you know, young people, obviously. But I am seeing more young people open up. And um, and I think young people, them opening up is helping maybe adults to maybe open up a bit more or um, be more open-minded. I really do think it is, yeah, I think young people are kind of like climate change. Yeah. You know how young people are like kind of leading the way with, with climate change. Um, and that is then influencing adults as well. So I feel that, yeah, kind of doing the same for mental health, you know? Um, but no, it's, um, yeah, things have definitely changed, like, in the last few years. Obviously, it's still a way to go. It's still a yeah. way to go. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's positive. It's really positive. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen, I've you know, points drawn from, from all the people that we've spoken to. It is, you know, the young people that, yeah. so, no, but I think more, as, as you say, it's, it's the, that also listening to these young people and saying, well, if this is an issue, we need to do something absolutely at a higher level. You know, if you're a people and you're struggling, we need to make sure you've got somewhere to go within, you know, the place that you're spending most of your, yeah. your time, you, you know, your school, really. Absolutely. So fantastic. What's the um, the most important thing that you've learned on the, the journey you've had over the last 12 years, do you think? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the most important thing. Do you know what? I think the most important thing I've learned, I've only learned this recently, is about self, like compassion and um, self, like kindness and. Um, well, actually, I, I I read a book a few years ago. It was called uh, I think it's called like Guide to Self Compassion. Mm-hmm. I was recommended it by someone, and it's by someone called Kristen Neff, Kristen with a K. And um, oh my gosh, I read this book, and uh, it's a, it's a book that's like. Um, it's like a workbook. So you, yeah, you work through it, and I just realised when I was reading that book how, oof, how badly I sort of treated myself um, and spoke to myself, and I really, you know, I, I'd say I definitely used to hate myself. I loathe myself. Growing up in and in my twenties, you know, I really, and I think yeah, learning about you know I didn't know what self compassion really meant. Um, learning about self-compassion and after reading the book I then started having what what's called CFT compassion focused therapy uh, which was really interesting uh, I found lots of different therapy lots particularly like CBT yeah. you know which which has helped at those times but I don't know doing CFT which is I don't know I find it more like holistic it's not just about thoughts like thought it's all of you uh, that's been really helpful for me and um, yeah learning to be more like gentle and kind Particularly when like you're going through bad periods, it's so e- it's so easy. It's always been so easy for me to, you know, beat myself up when I'm going through a bad period, and then uh, that just makes things worse. Obviously, like you know, I'll I'll do something like I'll you know if I'm going through a bad period, I'll often like binge, you know, whatever it is like food or drink or whatever it is, and then beat myself up for that, and then it's just a vicious cycle, you know. But now like 
yeah, trying to be more uh, compassionate with myself if, you know, if I go through that period of, like, mm. having a bad time and just binging, like, not beating myself up. I think that's... Um, and again, it's it's an ongoing journey, like, oh my gosh. And it's something that constantly need to work out. I mean, yeah, again, just like, I guess, like, spoke before about going to the gym and having to, you know, if you want to be physically uh, strong and healthy, you need to constantly work at it. And I suppose... I guess I realise now that, like, yeah, self-compassion is like that as well. But I think that is probably the most important thing for me that I've learned, I guess, along, along the way. I, I, I like, for me personally, like, my self-care is, it's all sorts of, it's exercise, not as much as I probably should, but it is something Um But I like, sort of, comedy, laughter, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think, like, comedy, do you have a favourite comedian, or...? So, yeah, actually, comedy is so important. Yeah. Um, you know what? It's so funny, actually. So, just before I came in here, mm. I was uh, I was watching some, some Peter Kay. Oh, brilliant. Oh, it's my favorite. Peter Kay, just genius. Um, but often for me, actually, um, The Simpsons. Yeah. I don't, I just, six. Yeah. <laughs> I just know that, you know, I just know that I'm, I'm going to, it's going to, it's going to lift me, do you know what I mean? And yeah. I'm going to laugh. Um, oh, you're absolutely right. I think uh, actually, could be comedy and music. Like, yeah, I've got a playlist now where it's like kind of more sort of positive music. Like, growing up, we used to have this playlist of like music that would really like bring me down. Yeah, like when I was feeling down, because that's how like like lots of like Radiohead and uh, other songs that yeah used to kind of I guess yeah suit my mood. But now I've got a playlist that is. Well, you know, like more upbeat and, and more like positive when I'm feeling in that place. So, yeah, music and, and comedy. Yeah. Two, for sure. two big ones. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Work. I mean, yeah. everybody's different, but I think, you know, the more people that we speak to, it's you know, music speaks to so many people in so many different ways. And that's, that's comedy, but there's so many different aspects to it that I think it's quite exciting as well to go find different avenues sometimes yeah. as well. I think, well, I'm not much that guy or, or that lady, you know, might find a bit. A bit different to what I usually yeah. still find them really funny. So yeah, I think that's great. And I think as well, that's because often we talk about like the, the negatives of like social media and technology. But actually that's one of the like things I love about um like YouTube in particular. You know, you can just go on and just, you know, if you're looking for a particular uh comedian or clip that you know is gonna, you know, lift you, you can just find it straight away. And I think yeah, like I, I just think, yeah, again, it's balance. Like, yeah. social media does have its maybe yeah, difficult, challenging things about it, but also has, like, the fact that you can just click a button, just find that comedy that's going to, or a new piece of music that's just going to, like, lift you. It just, yeah, it's, just, it's good. I think sharing that with, with other people that you close to as well is, is such a good feeling. I mean, I've, yeah. I've done that loads of times. I was like, oh, you've yeah. seen this guy or, yeah, or this yeah, lady, yeah. and then now have it up. You need to see it. Yeah. Like, and then they, they find it funny, and that's like, Share that with someone. Something that makes me feel good now makes someone else feel good. Absolutely. I'm really happy with that. So yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I do it all the time with, uh, yeah, like WhatsApp sending people like clips <laughs> or like, um, yeah, bits of music and uh, it does, it makes a difference. Like knowing that you've impacted maybe someone else's day as well as maybe your day. Um, actually, probably I'm, I might be sharing stuff now to the point where people are like, 
Okay, stop, Johnny. Because um, <laughs> I'm always sharing stuff like uh, that I find, particularly like um, like animal. Yeah, if you like yeah. Singapore, it's like funny animal clips. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like, like British funniest animals. Yeah, yeah, I love it, uh, and I'm always sharing that with people. And probably annoy people, but, <laughs> but yeah, you know, at least it shows people that you're thinking. Like, Absolutely, and you know, we always kind of go, oh, it's probably they're probably not going to like it the same way that I do. Mm. But actually, what probably happens is that they're happy that you're kind of sharing exactly. some good stuff. Um, so then, yeah, just. <laughs> and again that's actually that's one of the good things like we yeah. talk about social media or technology like say what's that like you know again like again they click on a button you can just you know go on YouTube and share that video straight away on what's that with that group or that person yeah. again I just think yeah maybe we we do give social media technology a hard time but you know there are such good things about it as well and it allows us and it allows you to do your work it allows us to spread yeah, our so much quicker and, and further and, and, and wider than we could have done maybe sort of five, ten years ago. So there's, there's, there's some good stuff about it. Yeah. Which is great. And um, I suppose really the, one of the last questions that I've got is, I mean, we've touched on Hope quite a lot and yeah. you know, the podcast is called Hopecast and that's a huge message behind us and obviously what you do. What, what gives you hope for the future, for, you know, personally or, you know, the wider sort of talk around mental health, suicide prevention? Um... I guess the thing that gives me hope, I feel like I'm uh, repeating myself because I've mentioned like young people. Yeah. Well, they do, like young people do, you know, give me hope when, um, I actually, as part of the Beyond Shame, Beyond Stigma, the charity that I set up, and last year we brought this like amazing group of young people, young activists together, who are like in their late teens and early twenties, doing, all doing like writing books or doing apps or like comedy nights. And uh, that gave me so much like hope and inspiration to, you know, see the next generation like out there really trying to make a difference. Um, so yeah, no young people being so open and you know so active and so passionate. I think that 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 gives me hope. Um, I think uh, I mean I try and um, I try and like practice like sort of gratitude quite a bit. Um, so. I, I, there's something like a gratitude journal that I try and do where every day I try and write down like three positive things about kind of uh, the world, the environment that I've noticed that day or and I try and write down three things that I liked about myself that day and um, that that helps to like, you know, give me give me hope and um, so that's a bit, myself a bit weird. No, I think uh, it's a fantastic idea. I think it's a great idea. Wish I did more stuff like that really but it, it, yeah, I, I think it makes because you notice then like um, things that this is going to sound so like I was uh, what was I I think I was on the train the other day and um, I was like oh my gosh like uh, just think about you know the people that built this actual track and the people that built this tube and looked outside and like like the trees and like how long they've been standing for and just I don't know uh, I try and and that helps to like kind of give me like hope just the thought that because um, it can feel I think like of, uh, sometimes we can all feel so like, isolated and um, separate from everyone 
And actually, yeah, I think for me, what gives me hope is community and um, uh, like people, like silly things, well, not silly things, but things like, you know, when I see people talking on a tube train in London, like London, like tubes are like the worst in terms of like, uh, like everyone, like no one wants to look at each other and it's so awkward if you catch someone's eye and like you're trying desperately not to look at anyone but then whenever it's so interesting because whenever I like get the last tube home uh, which is like I don't know half twelve at night it's so interesting because people might have had a drink and they're and then they're talking to each other and they're like communicating and I just think that's that gives me hope or when I see people like like being kind to each other like it just holding the door open or so for me um, I guess it's a long way of saying that um, community kind of gives me hope and humanity yeah. gives me hope um, and I just don't think again we see enough of that there's so much like out there and again maybe because of the work that like we do and like uh, like seeing so many amazing like projects and initiatives and people that are actually genuinely helping each other I think that I speak to some of my friends that maybe work in like an office every day, like nine to five, and then they come home and you know uh, they just see the same thing every day. And you know sometimes I speak to them, they feel really um, like sort of downcast. You know, they see. But I think I'm very lucky because you know we get to go out there and see there's so much good in the world, <clears throat> and that yeah, it might sound a bit cheesy. No, I, but that I mean, it's 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 a similar feeling to, to I think what a lot of us here sort of feel as well is what we do is hard you hear a lot of hard stories yeah but when you, you you also get to see some of the best of people and you get to hear some of the best of stories as well absolutely um, so I completely it's funny you mentioned the tube I had a very similar experience a couple of years ago coming down for uh, one of the sort of league finals the tube end into Wembley very like, everyone's talking to each other yeah. tube out everybody's a bit more loosened up and you have conversations around and it's people meeting people for the first time because yeah. you never would have met from being sure. in the north south so it's yeah I think that kind of stuff really sort of ticks a box for, for me you know quite a lot of people that, that I know as well really it's great it's great it's I th- really good I think as well I think you know what I find is that we are more isolated from each other like kind of going back to like the technology thing like because everything is like so like electric now like you know um, when I was growing up um uh, like when you went like on the bus you would like talk to the bus driver like you'd like fiddle with your change and you'd have a conversation now like and I'm really trying to really like trying to be aware of this I just sometimes go on and I ignore like there's a person there I just swipe my card and just uh, or when I go to the supermarket now like you know I always go like to the check out the self-service and again like, I kind of miss that interaction with like a know someone that's 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 working there or even like the bank now when I go to the bank like um I walk into the bank and someone says oh would you like to come and use our machine um and I always feel a bit actually I kind of want to it'd be nice to look at someone and talk to someone and I I just feel we're losing a lot of that interaction because of maybe technology technology is is great and it you know it's, it's great but it's also making us more separate so to see like humanity connecting um yeah just and, and actually I think to see often like um 
people smiling, especially I find in, in, in like living in London. I mean, um, it's sometimes on the odd occasion a stranger will like smile at you, and I'm I'm always like taken aback at first, like, wow. But it, it just that gives me hope, you know. Um, and I just think as well, we don't realize that like, that person smiling at me then changes my like maybe day, yeah. uh, I feel uplifted. And then I, my interaction with the next person kind of has changed because of that interaction. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's yeah. kind of a ripple effect that I think we don't really like. People kind of spreading happiness and joy and just talking to each other is really, really good. Absolutely. And it is a, it's a similar thing to what we say, so sharing the, the comedy videos yeah, with each other. Absolutely. It's, you know, sharing some, some good feeling, really. Absolutely. That's great. Really good. Um, well, I mean, it's been absolutely... Really, thank you. Just, just talking to you, listening to your story, and sort of what you do day in, day out within your working life, but also keep yourself well and stuff. So, um, I'm really excited to see more of Beyond Shame, Beyond Stigma, yeah, and see what you guys are working awesome. on. And I'm really looking forward to the book coming out as well. So, best of luck with everything, and uh, I'm sure we'll probably quite soon. Thank you for listening and for your part in making suicide part of the conversation. Sometimes listening to these stories can be hard, so if you're a young person struggling with thoughts of suicide, or if you're worried about a young person, you can contact Hopeline UK on 0800-068-4141. You can text 07860-039-967, or you can email paths at papyrus-uk.org.